This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today we're talking about a topic that uh, has terrified my family because I kept seeing it on our Google calendar. <laughs> Hot lettuce. Hot lettuce. That's right. So this episode uh, was suggested by us during, I believe, the oyster sauce episode that we recorded with friend of the show, Kenji Lopez-Alt. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, I think we should also say this episode was suggested by us and Kenji. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I should we should also say we're getting to the, the time of year when it uh, gets to like 85 degrees in the studio, and I feel like hot lettuce myself. I do, too. I'm a little wilty today, if I may say so. Also, I mean, we're recording this episode like two and a half months before it airs, so. Yeah, so now now it's a good good yeah. season for hot lettuce it's when a, you're listening to it. Yeah, well, and but, I but should But like also, any time is a good season for hot lettuce. I should also say... Listeners, you will learn more about this as we go along, but we're talking about more than just like the kind of lettuce you'd put in your salad. I mean, we're talking about like bitter greens like radicchio, for instance. I'm glad you mentioned and, that because I wrote on the agenda here, is radicchio a lettuce? I mean, I, I when you, if you, like me, uh-huh. do some research into hot lettuce, you will find a lot of mentions of greens that grow in, like figure greens that grow in heads. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, um, I mean, we could really go stray far down the line from here and get into, I don't know. I mean, like, is Gailan a lettuce? But I don't think I so. Don't think, I, I don't think anyone's ever argued that it is. But if you want to be the first. No, I don't really want to. What about cabbage? Is cabbage a lettuce? I don't think cabbage okay. is a lettuce. Okay, but uh, hold on. Now let's go down memory lane and I'm going to start. Okay, great. Okay. So um, I remember a million years ago. So my sister... Uh, who is like a generation older than we are. Uh, she she has been a fantastic cook and a real advocate for like having like a, a backyard garden of, okay. of vegetables for as long as I can remember. And I remember going to visit her maybe when I was in college and she is had her a, name Alice. Her, her name is Lisa. Okay. Oh, that's and Alice spelled backwards. She <laughs> <laughs> she had a copy of Chez Panisse Vegetables. I think that's where course, this recipe yeah. came from. And it, there was a recipe in there that was like a saute of like 
little lettuces, like like little gems or something. Little let's gems. say like a crunchy, uh, a crunchy small head of lettuce. So like uh, like a sauté of lettuce and peas, fresh peas. <laughs> Are you going to sneeze again? again? Damn it! Oh, in this our is... last episode, you almost sneezed. <laughs> but again, it's not happening. Okay, oh. well, I'm going to keep talking. Life is hard. Anyway, this was the first time I had ever heard of cooking lettuce. And I mean, I think you can imagine just like sort of gently cooked, crunchy kind of romaine-like lettuce mm-hmm. with fresh spring peas I mean, and maybe a little bit of chicken broth or butter or something. I mean, it was delicious. It was so good. So that was my introduction to cooking lettuce, uh, kind of a like a low key, maybe French style of of cooking lettuce, because we're going to be talking a lot about uh, Asian and in particular Hong Kong styles of cooking lettuce. Uh, Okay, then I remember I think there was a period when grilled romaine Caesars Mm -hmm. were a thing. So you would take a a heart of romaine and cut it lengthwise. Yeah. And brush it probably with oil and some salt and whatever and grill it. And then that would get slathered with Caesar dressing. I mean, that is delicious. It's really good. It's yeah. so good. The flavor of charred romaine and the way that it still holds that like watery crunch at the, the ribs. Yep. Yep. So good. And then the last thing I want to mention is early on in the days of Delancey, I, I believe this recipe should be attributed to one of our, our early cooks there, Carrie Brunson, who, sure. who has gone on to great renown locally and maybe beyond as a juicer and also for Frankie and Joe's. Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Her, she co-owns Frankie and Joe's, which is a plant-based ice cream company. Yeah. Good stuff. Anyway, Carrie Brunson worked at Delancey for a little while, very early on, like late 2009, 2010. And I think she's the one who started our, um, our wood oven roasted radicchio, which is basically wedges of radicchio. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, olive oil, salt, pepper roasted in the wood burning oven and then doused in like a really anchovy Caesar type Mm -hmm. dressing, but not emulsified with like an egg and stuff like that. And then with shade or, you know, thin little Julienne of preserved Meyer lemon rind. Oh yeah. So, so good. I remember having this dish in the early days of Delancey. It's very good. And it's still, it's still on the menu in in the winter, fall, you know, kind of, you know, you can find it on the menu varying times in the fall all the way through the spring at Delancey. Yeah, it's probably, probably coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I think of, of cooked lettuce. I mean, I, when I started thinking about this episode, I realized I've eaten a lot of cooked lettuce. Yeah, I, I have too. Um, and, uh, so the, the, the one that really sticks out of my memory, and I think probably I mentioned this on the Oyster Sauce episode, was uh, years ago, Teenager of the Show December and I were in Hong Kong, and we were having uh, dim sum uh, with some, like, friends of friends and uh, at this, like, really nice dim sum place in Hong Kong. It was a really good meal, <laughs> as you might expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the dish that I remember best was it was ser- served in, like, uh, like a like – a, cast iron dish kind of and mm. it was and it was some kind of green with a very oyster sauce based sauce like very salty and good and I was eating it and I was like what what is this green is it like like a choy sum or like a Shanghai bok choy and then I got to like the rib with the watery crunch in the middle I'm like and I like asked like our friends like like is this lettuce and they're like yeah it's romaine and I was oh like, gosh. this is so good. And this is such a good way to cook it. We're going to talk more about this. Um, like, like, yeah, I remember that that is like 
of of all the things that we ate in Hong Kong, which was a lot of things, like that that might be the one that made the the most lasting impression. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and it's, delicious, it is a classic like side dish. Yeah, there. What and, else? Um, Many years ago, like probably like in the the early days of Eagle, there was some restaurant on Lower Queen Anne. I can sort of like visualize the block where it was, uh, but it's it's long gone. Um, but it was like a restaurant that people were talking about, and one of the things they had on the on the menu was uh, grilled radicchio with with uh, balsamic vinaigrette, mm-hmm. and uh, and I remember getting that and really enjoying it. Mm, that sounds so good. Probably like the long Treviso radicchio. Well, I like that you have mentioned both sort of uh, like Western European approaches to cooking lettuce as well as Asian approaches yeah. to cooking lettuce. Because when I was looking up kind of the, the history, loosely loosely spoken, of cooking lettuces, there really were two specific kind of contexts yeah. in which it showed up. Sort of the Asian context and the European context. Yeah. So let's start with the Asian context. All right. uh, so in Chinese culture... Cooked lettuce is often a symbol of good luck and is eaten during Lunar New Year feasts. Sure. I learned this from a New York Times piece by friend of the show, Hetty McKinnon. Past guest. And then I found this uh, this quite long San Francisco Chronicle article from 2006, all about like cooking lettuces. Yeah. And they said, the Chinese cook lettuce as they might any other greens. A wildly popular dish in Hong Kong, according to cookbook author Grace Young, who we might be able to call friend of the show. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Is stir-fried iceberg lettuce. The lettuce is left in large pieces to preserve its crunch and cooked with a subtle sauce that enhances its sweet, mild flavor. The result is surprisingly delightful. It is. Yes. So then there's also this whole European context. So the oldest known cookbook by uh, Apicius? How, Ap- I Ap- don't Apicius? know. I've seen, I've seen this name written before and I've never tried to say it. So okay. I'm, glad, I'm glad you took the plunge because I have no idea. Okay, that Roman guy that's... I'm going to name- say Apicius. Apicius. A-P-I-C-I-U-S. Mm-hmm. You know, my um, kid used to be a Apicius eater. <laughs> Anyway, the guy who's the author of the oldest known cookbook, uh, at least in the Western cookbook right. canon. So his book includes a recipe for pureed lettuce and onions, which he titled Another Mashed Vegetable. Did you get any sense of like what what this recipe is like? Like, how would you have pureed something back then? Because like, I, I where would they plug in their Vitamix? I, I, I don't know. Maybe they did it in a mortar and a pestle? Mortar? That's what I was thinking also. So like. Would they like like boil or steam the? I don't tell know. me more about this dish. I, I gotta don't. Know. I don't know more okay. about this dish, but I do know that Auguste Escoffier, the father of modern French fine dining, uh, gives several recipes in Ma Cuisine, which was his famous cookbook from 1934. Sure, for sautéed, braised, or stuffed lettuces, and then uh, more recently, Anne. Willen? Ann yeah. Willan? I don't, I never know how to pronounce her I think name. Ann Willen. Ann I Willen. I think I met once. Did Who, I? Or am I thinking of Patricia Wells? I don't know. I know. It does all kind of, <laughs> it all kind of runs together for me. But anyway, Ann Willen is the author of La Varenne Pratique. And she was the founder of the La Varenne Cooking School in France. She praises lettuce as a cooked dish, explaining how it smooths out the taste and consistency of soups or cooked peas. Okay. Peas and lettuce. 
again. Yeah. I mean, it's it sounds very very springy. Yeah. Um, we were having a, a talk uh, the other day in the Amster Burton house about how uh, like we we think we've all had like times we met a celebrity who we thought was an impressive celebrity, but like no one else would really think so because they're oh. like an indie musician or this something. Is like the story of my life. Right. Yes. So I think like I definitely did once have lunch with Pat- Patricia Wells, and like there's like some small number of people who would who would be mildly impressed by by that, and uh, and like the average person would be like who. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I had lunch with Melissa Clark sure. a while ago in her career. And yeah, I bet a lot of people would be mm-hmm. excited about that. We had lunch with that. Francis Lamb. I had dinner with Dan Barber and his wife. Yeah, people, listeners are going to love this because there's there's nothing people enjoy more than name dropping. Let's and I know see. I started it. Let's see. Who else? Yeah, Francis Lamb. I've eaten with Francis Lamb many times. I've shared a bed with Francis Lamb platonically. But I mean, you shared a bed with me platonically. And I'm, That's true. And I'm one I of, share beds with so many men in the You'll jump in, in with pretty world. much anyone. Yep. Uh, Francis Lamb wore an eye pillow. I don't oh, know if I've mentioned that. I, I, I like in the summer, I'll wear an eye pillow. pillow. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah. There, there's that picture you took of me on the plane with my eye pillow. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to think. Who else have I eaten or shared a bit with? The the example that I came up with of like someone I met who like some small number of people <laughs> would, would be like, cool. And everyone else would be who was uh, Jason Finn, the drummer of the presidents of the United States of America. Yes. <laughs> Uh, this is kind of like, so when Julia Tertian was on cookbook tour at some point recently, um, I went to go see her and I brought June because uh-huh. June is familiar with like a lot of cooking that we've done out of Julia Tertian's cookbooks. Sure. And I thought June was going to be so pumped. And she was like, not that pumped. Yeah. <laughs> but I was fair. like, it's Julia Tertian. You're going to someday like look back on this moment and be like, oh my God, like this woman created so many of the dishes I loved as a child. One time, uh, yeah, the other one was one time I met uh, uh, Meredith Brooks, who sang the song, I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, yes! I'm a child, I'm a mother. Yeah. Yeah. I met David Byrne a few times, but that, uh, that was pretty that cool. That is genuinely impressive. That's, that's, that, that's a real celebrity. That's really cool. No offense to any of the other people I mentioned who are cool people and real celebrities. Oh, in their hey, own as, a child, as a child, I met Itzhak Perlman. Again, that's a real celebrity. <laughs> kind of? Sort of. Uh... Hold on, right. hold on, I'm not done. All of those people have a have a like an open door invitation to to guest on Spilled Milk. Yes. Patricia Wells, Meredith Brooks, Itzhak Perlman <laughs> on our next three episodes. Great. All right. Uh, oh, I also met this Russian poet, Yevgeny Yevtushenko. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> that is very cool. He wore tiny little shorts. That's great. Yeah. I was, love this. It's pretty for, awesome. For him. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah. So they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it. No charge. <laughs> uh-huh. So like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet. You... Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. And oh, 
I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in Alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have, like, a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. So, like, a whole closet system where I can really, like, unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Did you know that Delaware has endless discoveries? The first day invites you to explore miles of beaches and boardwalks, dozens of unique breweries, award-winning restaurants, some of the country's best state parks, beautiful garden estates, and even tax-free shopping. There's plenty of fun for the entire family and more. Find trip ideas and all the info you need to plan your Delaware discoveries at visitdelaware.com. So uh, I want to dive deeper into this like Hong Kong style cooked lettuce, yes, though, which you mentioned. So I found this article on, I, I think, like a website that sells salad kits. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But this article was written by a woman named Clarissa Way. Clarissa Way is one of my favorite food writers. Oh, really? Yeah. You're familiar with yes. her work? Oh, okay. Terrific. Well, so uh, I really enjoyed this piece. We'll link to it. So she wrote about, about poached lettuce in particular. So boiled or poached lettuce as a common side dish. She said, it's purpose is to act as a counterweight to the main course. It should not overshadow it. After eating countless renditions of the side dish in restaurants across the city, I came to realize that a good plate of poached lettuce is all about the texture. It still needs that signature crunch. Cooking lettuce takes a considerable level of skill. If it spends too much time in hot water, it becomes a soggy, inedible mess. But time it just right and you'll get a gorgeous, almost translucent vegetable with a surprising amount of crunch. Yes. Yeah. So so we'll link to that. I mean, it's it's really pleasurable. She writes about about particular dishes that it is delicious alongside, like fatty pork and things mm-hmm. like that. And then, of course, in Kenji Lopez-Alt's new book, The Walk, cooked lettuce shows up a couple times, at yeah. least, that I saw. So um, he writes uh, in a recipe for congee with wilted lettuce. He writes about congee as being his favorite way to enjoy wilted lettuce. All right. And he uses, I don't think I've ever had that. He uses romaine, chopped romaine, and he adds it to the hot soup in like the last minute of cooking. So it does get a bit cooked. It's mm-hmm. not like just a garnish. Also, I know you and I have both made his recipe for Chinese-style lo mein right. with oyster sauce, yeah. lettuce, and butter, which is from also his newest book, The Walk. So basically, you know, you've, you're cooking lo mein, you're boiling it in the water, right? Uh, the lettuce goes into the noodle cooking water for right. the last 30 seconds of cooking. And then, of course, it all gets dressed in delicious butter and oyster sauce, saucy mixture. Yes. Yeah. When I, when I stir fry lettuce, often, it's because there's like half a head of lettuce that left over from something else in the fridge, uh, like from the previous day usually. And I will often, so like one of the most common dishes that I will make for dinner, like that happens at least twice a month in in our house is uh, stir fried chicken and cabbage. So Mm. I will like dice some chicken, stir fry it with with some green cabbage or Taiwanese cabbage um, or or Napa cabbage and uh, and like a, a sauce that I will like improvise based on 
what what I'm in the mood for. I have I've made that. You kind of gave me a rough version of the sauce, and I think I did it with iceberg lettuce. Yeah, and right. So so like if I've got lettuce instead of cabbage in the fridge, I will use lettuce, and it's always great. It's yeah. uh, you know it's it's different. It's different enough, but it's still like you know a great vegetable for a stir fry. Mm-hmm. I also use like you know if I like gailan or like that that recipe like is well suited to almost any vegetable. But uh, but lettuce is a great choice. I think that, you know, it's interesting because, you know, this classic Hong Kong style that that Clarissa Way wrote about, of course, is poached or boiled. Uh, So that is like a wet preparation. Right. Which. I think, you know, it gives a really different flavor, for instance, if we're talking about romaine, right? right? It's going to, it's going to give a lighter flavor. Like it's going to yield a lighter lettuce flavor, maybe a slightly silkier leaf texture. Yield a lighter lettuce, I say. Um, And then when we're talking about like grilling romaine or stir frying a lettuce, that is such a different flavor and it is really delicious in its own way. And And quite flavorful, quite flavorful. So, so uh, I put on that that uh, like uh, Hetty McKinnon has a recipe for stir fried lettuce with crispy garlic and fried eggs, which mm-hmm. looks fantastic. I forgot to put it on the agenda, but uh, the uh, the Walks of Life blog, um, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, you know one of the best Chinese cooking blogs, and they have a cookbook coming out this fall that uh, I'm sure is going to be amazing. They have a recipe for um, for poached romaine with uh, with crispy garlic sauce, Ooh. which looks great. And it's kind of kind of like a, a middle path between the stir-fried lettuce with crispy garlic and the uh, the very lightly sauced poached romaine. Oh, I like that yeah, idea. Yeah, it looks beautiful. And then, uh, so Clarissa Way wrote a really great-looking recipe for that Hong Kong-style romaine lettuce yes. with oyster sauce. And we'll link to that, too. So, yeah, so we'll link to Hetty McKinnon's stir fried lettuce. We'll link to Clarissa Way's boiled or poached Hong Kong style with oyster sauce. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I've I, never tried like recreating that. Like, I don't remember like exactly enough to really recreate the recipe that that I had in, in Hong Kong. But it sounds like like this Clarissa Way recipe is probably going to be a pretty good start. It's probably going to be great. I think so, too. So and, I, I haven't I haven't even like made that as like, you know, that kind of side dish before and I need to start doing that. You know, I mean, the truth is just the more we talk about about cooked lettuce or hot lettuce, you know, it makes me think about using shredded romaine on a hot sandwich, right? Like a burger or something like that. I mean, it winds up wilted by the time you eat it. And part of its charm is that like half cooked. Yeah, that's a good texture, right? So, yeah. So I have two questions, one of which I think I'm going to forget. Do you know, like, when did this idea that, like, lettuce is only to be eaten raw as a salad green thing started? Because, like I said, like, I put hot lettuce on uh, on the calendar and, like, everyone else in my house was like, hmm, I don't know. Even well, though they, even though I've made it for them. So in Clarissa Way's piece, she writes about how it, it, in, like, a long time ago, pre, uh, like, certain sanitation right. measures in China – uh, it was very typical to cook one to, to cook lettuce because that was how you guaranteed that it was going to, and to cook vegetables in general. Correct, because that was how you guaranteed that you would kill any bacteria yeah, no, or whatever. I think, I think like among among like older folks in in China and and Hong Kong, like there's still kind of a distrust of raw vegetables yeah, and, ra- yeah. and raw fruits even. And this totally makes sense when you think about you know the the progress we've made with sanitation uh, and, and like food safety, right? Um, so. So I have to say that at least in in parts of Asia, it seems like cooked lettuces uh, are 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 like 
have a much deeper tradition. Yeah, certainly and than I should, Raw. I should say, like, like if to to add to that, like, I I don't mean that as like as as like that I'm alleging that like you know older Chinese people are superstitious. It's it, it, I think in our in, in the U.S. we don't have enough skepticism about raw vegetables because they are a frequent source of serious food poisoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, no, there are recalls all the time right. of like bagged spinach or bagged lettuces or romaine from such and such a place. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know much about the history of of eating fresh salads. That would be an interesting yeah, episode. Probably, probably someone's written a book about this. Because when I do think about it, like it, it is, it does seem dangerous to just like go out <laughs> into the garden and like eat a raw leaf. Of yeah, something. it might have a bug on it. I mean, well, I just think about in gardening how many plants I am currently growing that are toxic if eaten by humans or, or dogs or cats okay. and yeah so it, it would be interesting to find out more about the history of eating raw vegetables okay my other question is can we can we find out more like like off off the air about uh, this uh, apicius recipe first of all how to pronounce how to pronounce his name yeah. <laughs> and yeah. secondly like what can we make this uh this pureed pureed lettuce and onion <laughs> recipe um yeah i mean maybe we should do like a whole apicius episode Okay. If that's even how you say his name. Abby, a- Abby, Apicius? Can, can you put Apicius. this on the, on the uh, I think it's Apicius. Okay. Apicius. Apicius. It's, uh, well, you it's, don't have to get all Apicius about it. It's an Apicius occasion. <laughs> it is. It is an Apicius occasion. Anytime, <laughs> anytime I find myself pureeing uh, lettuce and onions in a, in a mortar and pestle, I, that is an Apicius occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, do we have any spilled mail? Do we ever. This is from listener Kelly. Hi there, favorite podcasters. Recently, my favorite food magazine was discontinued, and now I'm looking for a new one. What are your favorite food-related magazines? And uh, listener Kelly mentions that their favorite food magazines uh, were Cooking Light and Eating Well, and both have been discontinued. Thanks. Love you guys so much. And and uh, and Kelly included the uh, the emoji that's a, that's a smiley face surrounded by three hearts. Oh, I love that. So that's that is real. That is true love. We love you too, Kelly. Yeah. You know, I have to say, I don't currently have subscriptions to any food I magazines. I don't either. And I want to talk about like, like kind of favorite, like if you were going to pick up a food magazine mm-hmm. at the airport to read on the plane and or favorite food magazines of the past that you used to read. Mm. That's I want to broaden it that way. Okay, so I really miss reading Sever. Me too. That was always a good read. Especially the Sever 100 issue. Yes. I mean, I would say all around I miss Gourmet. Because gourmet not only was good reading, but exceptionally good cooking. And and employed host of the show, Matt. <laughs> yes. No, and I, I say this without any bias. I think gourmet was absolutely unbeatable. Yeah, it was good. I mean, especially also because they, they frequently published... Like literary writers yeah. writing about food, which Sever then did too. And that has become a more typical thing. Uh, bon Appetit does it and whatever. But I feel like Gourmet, I mean, God, I always think of that David Foster Wallace piece with the lobster. Consider the lobster. Uh, but anyway. I was, I was just yesterday listening to uh, David Foster Wallace's famous commencement speech because my therapist told me to. Oh, I want to listen to it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. Okay. And uh, so, so for me, like I miss, I miss Lucky Peach. Um, like know, I think, I think this is just going to be like us commiserating about other yeah, food magazines I, that have gone out of business. I always like, I, I think I had a subscription to Lucky Peach for a year, but the thing is, is I think I've always felt overwhelmed by the sheer volume of things to read in it. Yeah, it, it was kind of big. It was big, and I. 
hated the like bro culture of uh, absolutely oh my yeah. god eating themselves into oblivion and then like barfing in an alley so they could go eat some more yeah I hated that yeah um i i do i also kind of envy that a little bit you do oh not not the not the bro culture part of it like but the, just the peter Meehan, like david chang no barfing no in the like, alley. i don't, don't want to hang so out with them i, I just i just want to like be able to eat more when i want to okay no that's fair because yeah you have a smaller appetite than i do yeah I but, always like, eat more you know, than you some, do. Sometimes, like, you know, if I'm, like, in, like, you know, traveling, like, you know, I'd like to be able to eat three dinners, but yeah, I can't. Yeah. Uh, hold on, though. But there must yeah, yeah. be something that we occasionally pick up now. Oh, I will still pick up a uh, a uh, food and wine or a Bon Appetit um, at the at the airport because I know, I know there's going to be something in there that I'm going to enjoy. You know what? I'm going to mention a couple newsletters. Oh, please do. Yeah. Okay. So I think that... You know, newsletters operate on a subscription basis, yeah. kind of like a magazine. Sure. So maybe it would be worth your while to subscribe to a couple newsletters. For instance, um, Jenny Rosenstrach or Rosenstrock, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, who was the author of the the website Dinner, a Love Story, and the book that went by the same name. Also the author of the Weekday Vegetarians. Right. Uh, she has a fantastic newsletter. It's on Substack. Uh, you should check that out. Not only like really useful, but just she has such a great like everyday food writing voice. Yeah. Julia Tertian also has a newsletter. Check that out. Um, also, she writes really wonderfully about anti-diet culture, which I really appreciate. Good. And then this one is a little, it is quirkier and like fantastic writing. So um, a food writer named Marion Bull, so spelled like yeah. the animal. Uh, Marion Bull has a Substack newsletter and I really enjoy that too. Great writing. She has fantastic taste um, and always a pleasure. Um, you know what? You know what actually comes to mind is whenever I'm at like the like a doctor's office, they will often have the, the magazine Condé Nast Traveler in the in the waiting room. Condé Nast Traveler, and I think, has filled like kind of the uh, uh, a niche that gourmet yeah. partly occupies. Does Sunset still publish? Sunset does still okay, publish. Cause, I cause think. I would say I would like. I always enjoy reading Sunset, but Condé Nast Traveler, like it, I don't actually like it because it's like you know it's basically like like on the cover it's like you know if you don't if, if you don't have a million dollars like like you know close this magazine and read something else mm -hmm. and yet they like get really good writers uh to to write travel pieces that are often very food focused and like i there have been some pieces in there that i've really enjoyed by writers that i really respect you know i i just want to talk for just a second about bon appetit yeah. um I have to say that I haven't I haven't subscribed to Bon Appetit in years. Um, I, I stopped subscribing during the Adam Rappaport of course. years, and the tone of it just drove me nuts. Of course, uh, the kind of know it allness. However, they have a lot of really great like young food writers yeah. working for them and incredible recipe developers. I mean, same thing with the New York Times right now, yeah, really. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, maybe I'm being unfair to not not mention Bon Appetit, but I, I honestly haven't picked it up even since Adam Rappaport left. So yeah, no, it's, I don't it, really know. These are these are like feelings that are that are tricky to parse out. Yeah, I think. Yeah. But uh, that said, like, I would say go support some food writers you really like on their sub stacks. Yeah, because then great. you can pay them directly. One that I like is called I've Got a Feeling by Molly <laughs> Weisenberg. 
Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of it, guys. I have a newsletter. It, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not totally food focused. It's not very food focused yeah, in I general. Think, but there's some food stuff. Yeah, there's some food stuff. I've written about food a couple times, but it's kind of me writing about whatever, whatever I'm into slash whatever I'm thinking about. Yeah, so. it's great. All right, thanks everybody. For, thanks for the question, listener Kelly. That was that was a, uh, a fun trip down memory lane. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matthew, do you have a now but wow? I do. A frequent request, frequent like maybe three times, uh, people have asked us to do an episode about best buy and use buy dates, which we haven't done because I felt like, you know, there were someone else, there were a lot of people who are like journalists who would be way more qualified to actually have something interesting to say about that. Mm. Like, you know, we could talk for five minutes about like, you know, how we how we handle that in our houses and then be done. Mm. But Planet Money just did an episode all about that. Mm. That is what like a great Planet Money episode. It was reported by Sarah Gonzalez and uh she really goes deep into like, you know, okay, what, where did these things come from? Do they actually give us any useful information? And also, do they distort the markets for certain foods and lead to more food waste than necessary? The answer is yes. Oh, this is fascinating. Just this past weekend, I did a big like refrigerator clean out and had, I had like some packages of like fresh tortellini and stuff from Trader Joe's that like the buy or free or the use or freeze by date was like a month ago. Yeah. And I did go ahead and throw them out, but I felt really bad about it. I was like, I know that there is an arbitrariness to these dates. Uh, yeah. I wish so, I'd I mean, listened to the episode. Yeah. Listen to the episode. She talks a lot about, uh, about milk in Montana, which has like extremely strict, uh, use by sell by dates that lead to a lot of wasted, uh, thrown away milk. Okay. Um, but, uh, but also talks about that question, like, okay, so if like these dates are kind of arbitrary, how do I know? And like, you know, talks to an expert who says, smell it. And mm. like, if it doesn't, if it smells okay, it's okay. Hmm. This makes total sense. So yeah, so it's, uh, we'll link to it in the show notes, but uh, you know, npr.org slash money, it'll be there mm. or in your podcast player. Uh, our producer is Abby Circatella. And please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Probably the same place you get Planet Money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you can chat with other Spilled Milk listeners on our Reddit. So that's reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. And you can chat with other Planet Money listeners probably at reddit.com slash r slash planet money. That's a guess, but I bet that Yeah, exists. maybe. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, it has been a true delight talking with you today about hot lettuce. Hot lettuce. We're keeping the hot side hot and the cold side cold, like the McDLT. Oh, yeah. Whatever that is. Molly Weisenberg, that's me. (laughs) And Matthew Ezra that's me. (laughs) Uh, Hot lettuce. I'm Molly. Hot lettuce, it's the opposite of... It is. It is. It is. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.